HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Square. If you run a restaurant or business, Square has the tools to help you stay connected to customers, shift your business, and navigate this uniquely challenging time. Learn more at square.com slash go slash curd. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Comte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. Welcome to Cutting the Curd Today on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kara Warren, and today on the show, I have Janae Muha, the mobile monger. Uh, Janae is a longtime cheesemonger, blogger, uh, hobby photographer, cheese Instagram personality, small business owner, and now a producer advocate. So I am excited because she is on the show to talk about her new online series, The Maker Series where she is interviewing different cheesemakers from all over the U.S. about her about the current situation and how they're dealing with this ongoing pandemic. Uh, Janae, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, my God. I, I have to say, I think just the way everything is right now and the way you have handled it and brought on this whole new light to cheesemakers with video um, <laughs> <laughs> is perfect. I am stoked. I think we have finally reached the uh, the modern uh, vision of how we should be uh, talking to the industry. So thank you for doing that, first off and, for, and foremost. It's my you know. pleasure. And honestly, I feel like I probably have brought some cheesemakers into the 21st century with some video action going on. Oh yeah, you so you 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 had to guide them. I'm sure there was a little bit of this is the app, this is uh how we're going to work this, you know. I mean, a lot of us have never worked remotely before, you know. So I think uh yeah, so you were the teacher, you were the guidance. Or at them. least gave them a little bit of a push to just kind of get with the times, you know. <laughs> nice. I so patience. Patience is a virtue. I love it. Um so I guess let's jump into what motivated you to do this actually. Like what was um what did you wake up and, and you were like, hey, this is it. I, I want to I got to let people know the truth, you know, like what 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 happened? So 
ever since the pandemic really started and we were all kind of sheltering in place, I had been hosting these different cheese um, Zoom calls just to kind of connect with my people Um, because I just felt really disconnected. And I know a lot of other people were and most of us are travelers. It's kind of what we do. A lot of people were sales reps, so they're just constantly on the road. So it was just really nice to connect. And I kept hearing and reading all these articles about how producers were having all these issues. And there were definitely some um, solutions to that, but I just really had this overwhelming urge to want to talk to the producers themselves and to hear from them and their stories and what their needs are, because every producer is a little bit different in terms of what their needs are. And so I just really wanted to kind of get a snapshot of what our industry was looking at right now. Okay. And and who, can you just rattle off, because it was a long list. I was like, I should type this out. And then I was like, no, there's too many people. <laughs> can you give us like a, a, a quick list or a, kind of like a short window of who, who and what was involved? Oh, yeah. I spoke to Boxcar, Handmade Cheese, uh, Cascadia Creamery. Uplands Cheese, Ferndale Farmstead, Nettle Meadow, Shelburne Farms, Jasper Hill Farm, Twin Sister Creamery, Briar Rose Creamery, Sweetgrass Dairy, Landmark Creamery, and Central Coast Creamery. So that is a pretty um, spread out group (laughs) that you uh, actually pulled in, which I think uh, speaks very well to your length of time in the business. Um, As you mentioned, 2002, you started as a cheesemonger? Am I right about that? Yeah. Wow. It's been a long time. I I started at Whole Foods behind the cheese counter there and worked for 14 years behind that counter in Chicago and in Portland and also here in Seattle. Um, And then I left Whole Foods about four years ago, a little over four years ago. And I um, like currently, well, currently I'm unemployed, (laughs) but I um, worked behind the De Laurenti counter, which is the largest cheese shop in Seattle. in the mouth of Pike Place Market. And then I also own a demo company. Plus, I have a blog and, like I said, an Instagram. The Mobile Monger. The Mobile Monger, which, just so you know, everyone, you have to add the the. <laughs> so it's the Mobile Monger. Um, I learned the hard way. So, um, but okay, so you've been, so that's how many years? I can't count because I'm on the radio right now. So my 18. brain doesn't work. And I have uh, atrophy of the brain from uh, being in an apartment too long. Uh, yeah, 18 years, 18 years. Mazel tov, 18 years. That's a long time. I think you you beat me by a few years. So good job. Um, how have you seen the industry change? So you've been you've been through Whole Foods and now you, you've seen uh, a lot of artisan cheesemakers one-on-one uh, what do you see changing right now? Um, I mean, well, the industry had changed so much in that time period. I basically feel like I grew up as a cheesemonger as the cheese industry grew up in itself. So in, I agree. I get in that. talking yeah. to Mateo cool. from Jasper Hill, it was one of those things where they started like the year before I started in cheese. And so it's, You know, if we think about the entity that is Jasper Hill now, um, there's a lot that's changed. I just remember getting these weird little constant bliss in my shop and just being like, wow, Mm -hmm. what is this weird little cheese? What's going on? And now they are a force of marketing and of our industry. And I think that they are kind of a good um, reference to what has happened in the last 18 years for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I heard... Uh, Mateo say at ACS they make fifty million dollars now. 
So that's a big difference from when you and I started. And it was, like you said, constant bliss, a little bloomy rinded uh, lactic cheese that I think uh, they realized they could flatten and make into Harbison <laughs> with some spruce on it. So, you know, <laughs> that's uh, yeah, it's a good job. I like, I like what Jasper Hill is doing. Um, and actually I liked, since you know Jasper Hill, you also, so you know you have that level of cheesemaker, but then you did a great job. Um, I was checking out the most viewed video that you interviewed with Boxcar. Um, and I thought, wow, this is really interesting that you were able to look at it in every scale, because how big would you describe uh, the Boxcar uh, cheese biz? Like how would, they're like a medium? Like, I would definitely I would say, say still leaning towards the really small Um I mean, they just have so few employees and they are only really distributed in a few areas of the country. So it's not like they're widely available, whereas like Jasper Hill, you can get pretty much in almost every state. Um, That's a national level cheesemaker now. Yeah, for sure. So they're definitely still really small. And I really Uh, it was very intentional um, kind of what who I chose um, first off, the people who I'm friends with and I know I could rope them into doing something like this. Um, but also totally. just I mm-hmm. wanted to have a range of styles, um, a range of sizes, um, a range of affinage projects. Like I just wanted to basically get a full snapshot from everybody as to what the issues we were dealing with. Right. And I think that was actually really great because you you kind of – like you asked Andy Hatch from Pleasant Ridge about, you know, his affinage and his seasonal cheese making. Uh, you know, I don't think I knew all those details about uh, how they were making the cheese. And actually, they were in a good pocket. But, you know, even like, can you speak to like the inventory of milk? You know, like Jasper Hill sold off their cows. He's saying, I'll still take Andy Hatch. The Pleasant Ridge is still saying, I'll take the milk. I'll still use it. It's interesting to see the different strategies everyone's using, you know. Yeah, and that's where that's Did where that, it all kind of comes into play yeah. with what everybody needs. Um, so Andy only has about 200 cows. So in the grand scheme of things, they're still relatively very small, but Andy is a guiding force in our industry. Um, so for me asking him not only because he's a friend of mine, but also because He's just got a lot to say and it's always prophetic (laughs) and like just really on point. Mm -hmm. Um, But also just having Mm -hmm. kind of a big name like him and Mateo on there just kind of added a little bit of validity to the project. As much as, you know, I want all of my smaller producers to be able to have that same sort of leverage, they just don't. So having them involved really kind of gave the same platform to the very small producers that I also had on. Yeah, and I'm sure it helped other cheesemakers, too, who may not, uh, you know, couldn't realize a strategy on their own. And just hearing these other guys who are dealing with this on a larger scale probably gave them a little bit of insight, I, I would think, you know. Um, so what do you think the most uh, positive moment was then within all these interviews? Like, what was one of the highlights for Honestly, you? just the generosity and tenacity of our industry was super inspiring, um, that everybody's just really in it together and we all understand that everybody does. We're all in a different place, but we're all trying to do something together. Um, Boxcar also, I just really love them. And the fact that they have been, they basically created a whole new cheese that they are 
making to donate to their local food shelters um, and specifically taking all of the milk that they this new farmer that they were working with, um, he didn't have any other avenues of revenue. So basically they are taking more milk than they had before to make this cheese specifically for the food bank. So to me, that was just like, and they're doing this on their own dime. They don't, they're not getting any extra money right. for it. So, um, I thought, I thought that was very smart too, uh, with the, it's, so it's like a mozzarella like cheese. Um, they're using yogurt cultures yep. to make uh, is what it sounded like. And basically from what I was just from your program, um, I'll just, dear listeners, this is what, ha- <laughs> this is what happened. Um, they, they didn't want to furlough their employees and they didn't want to have to deal with the, the costs of closing down and restarting because that's more expensive to do in some cases. So they were very smart to create a new cheese. And I think um, we're seeing this sort of uh, pattern now because I, I read in Janet Fletcher's article today that Beehive is doing this and uh, Lively Run is also doing this where they're, they're inventing these new cheeses that are, are basically to use milk and then to donate to food banks, which is talk about adaption and adapting uh, like our industry has never had to do before. I mean, so I, I think uh, Boxcar is one of those first that have probably started doing that. But uh, bravo to them for thinking out a way to figure out cash flow, you know, yeah, well, and just, to keep, <laughs> like, uh, just to keep their cheese being made and to keep them busy every day. It's just um, I just have so much respect for them for all of the efforts that they've put in. Yeah, I mean, I just thought um, that's very smart because that's what you need to do in this time. It's it's sort of like a sink or swim mentality. And I think uh, you have to be creative and figure out uh, new strategies. I mean, uh, one thing that I, I've also seen kind of come up in your interviews is um, the more direct-to-consumer pattern is now getting stronger. Um, and, uh, I mean, for you, what did you think, uh, how are these cheesemakers dealing with that? What has been their reaction to these, uh, to this new strategy? Well, it's hard because some people can't really add this level to their lineup because they don't have the space for a cut and wrap situation. Um, I heard it referenced a couple of times with like Andy and Mateo, but like cryovacking, the the extra steps you have to go through to make sure that the rinds aren't compromised with like a gas or nitrogen flush. Um, these things are not something that's easy to do. Uh, so the fact that they are getting the chance to just work closely with CSAs and trying to figure out some way of getting the cheese to the people, um, I think is just really awesome and also just necessary for survival. So people are doing what they need to do, and some people have gone through and bought um, bigger laminators to kind of get that cheese in the cut and wrap cut and wrap situations. You know, it's so funny how we're kind of like doing this um, return back to the land situation. Like everyone is joining CSAs, and they're doing uh, you know curbside or farmside pickup now, and baking uh, bread. And- how interesting <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> How interesting that a pandemic brought us all back down to earth, you know, like, uh, I mean, even for me, I, I, you know, I was shopping or even for this pandemic, I've been using Instacart, but like to get the, the real goods, you know, uh, I've been ordering direct from the farms. I mean, you know, uh, 
it, it kind of, what have you been doing for your cheese, Janae? Like, how have you been stocking up? Uh, you know? Well, I'm incredibly spoiled and I almost always have a refrigerator of cheese at all times. Uh, if you notice in any of the videos that you're watching, if you look behind me, there's literally a refrigerator behind me. So, <laughs> okay. Also has every cheese sticker on the planet, by the way, on it, which I was like, I need to zoom in on this when I, when I'm a little later, but it's, I don't know, 50 stickers on your fridge of cheese. Yeah, I, cheese I, I've just I had know. friends send me stuff just to, you know, jazz up my fridge a little bit. And there's some postcards and stuff on there too. But um, yeah, I, because I did, uh, I was doing a bunch of demos before this happened um, I had a bunch of Central Coast stuff because I was working on a project with them around here in Seattle area. So I have a bunch of Central Coast cheese that unfortunately I didn't get to share with the public. So uh, yeah, so I've gotten to enjoy it. Um, but that's not, you know, ideal for everybody. Um, and then, you know, I just I have some Ferndale mozzarella because I did a really fun Instagram thing, uh, making fresh mozzarella, and I just love their mozzarella anyway. Uh, so, you know, I just have a bunch of random things. Wait, so do you have a 20-pound or a 10-pound pillow of mozzarella <laughs> curd in your fridge? Is that what you're telling me right now? No, I only had them send me three pounds because it's just me and my husband here, and 10 pounds would have been a lot, so... <laughs> I mean, I, I debated it. I hard debated it. I was like, do I have space for a 10 pound pillow of curd? I want to do this. Um, do you wait? Do you have two fridges or one fridge? Are you like a house where you, you have a second? Oh, yes. Or is it two just fridges. one fridge? Uh, this one is in my office you, and is specifically for my demo cheese. Okay. You, you are a very lucky and strong cheese yes. game then. Um, <laughs> You are you are uh, filling up the uh, what's in your fridge segment very well. I have to say, I will say. So you, Central I will Coast, say, I did just mozzarella order curd. a bunch from Jasper Hill, more specifically because I really wanted to try the sausage. So, I I ordered the bacon. You yeah. know, they, they do Canadian bacon and regular bacon, um, and also I got the chef shred because I was like, yo, forty pounds, no, ten pounds of cheese shred it up that's not that's not it's a bad beautiful. deal during pandemic i'm down it's beautiful just put it on everything <laughs> yeah exactly i'll make a fondue with it i'll you know it's the whole the whole works but you know what I, what's been funny is i've been uh, kind of uh i don't want to say judging but like to see how everyone uh mails their product you know what kind of boxing what kind of insulation what kind of you know that's part of the game now, I think. I mean, uh, for, so Jasper Hill is very nice. It's a colorful box. They have like birch straw. They have the cardboard cutout with the freezer packs underneath. The whole uh, mission statement is all over it. Uh, you know, I remember when you got a package of cheese and it had like newspaper <laughs> yep. all over it, you know? So, well, and that's, that's um, part of the hard part about this too, is that now these companies are having to shift gear and doing all of this mail order and shipping when they didn't have that completely figured out. So now they're doing it on the fly and it may not always mm -hmm. work out the best. And I'm also on um, the American Cheese Society's Judging and Competition Committee, so I am always there for receiving when all of our judging cheese comes in. And to be honest, there's definitely some times where you're like, what happened here? What's going on? <laughs> right. Because there's no ACS seminar on how to send your cheese the best. Or maybe there was, but like no one told them about all the different types of packaging and 
you know, weird print and things that you should add to it. I mean, that's, that's a trial by error situation. And, um, Cash flow yeah. as well. I mean, well, and also we're seeing we're know, seeing lag times in shipping too. So if somebody ships something out, they can't necessarily guarantee that it's going to get there in the two days that you try to get it there by, because you know FedEx right. and whatnot—they're right. all kind of backed up. So there's so many layers mm-hmm. to kind of all of that. So like mail order is great. And it is really useful in a lot of ways. And also sometimes it's really expensive because I, after talking to Sweetgrass, was like, oh, I want to go order some Griffin and some of their delicious pimento because it's my favorite. And it would have cost me more to have it shipped than it would have to just buy the cheese itself. Yeah, I, I've noticed that too. So it's like you either have to get to the sweet spot of like $75 or you are paying, what, $30 for shipping or something yeah. like that when you want only $30 worth of cheese. So it's like, ooh. Uh, I mean, I've been like, let's support. So I just hit the buy button. But I'm also not a financial wizard. So maybe that's not the best thing to do. But I don't know. Um, but I, I mean, so you've been supporting a lot of cheesemakers by buying, it sounds like. And I think a lot of the community has been doing that, or it sounds like they, I mean, what are you getting on your end feedback wise? I mean, I've had people reach out to me specifically asking um, who they feel, who I feel like is really struggling right now, which is hard to say because everybody's struggle is a little bit different. Um, but mm-hmm. honestly, I would say that um, right now, the biggest thing outside of even mail order and whatnot that we can do as consumers is to support your local cheese shops and your cheese counters because they're struggling just as hard too. And the distributors that are taking those products to those cheese shops, they're also struggling and they are probably sitting on product that needs to move also. So just even going to your local cheese shop, most of them are doing curbside orders and whatnot. Um, Doing things like that can really help everybody involved and it's going to cost you less in the long run for shipping. Good point. Valid point. Okay, Janae, we're going to take a quick break here. Hang on, everyone. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Square. We all know that this is an incredibly challenging time for our friends running restaurants and small food businesses. With social distancing in place, people are staying home and eating in, and restaurants have had to pivot to pickup and delivery only. HRN would usually be recording our podcast from our studio inside Roberta's, but since they've had to close their dining room, they've ramped up their frozen pizza production, set up a wine and grocery shop, and seen their delivery orders skyrocket. Like Roberta's, many restaurants have been changing offerings day by day as they figure out how to best serve their customers. If you run a restaurant or small business, Square has the tools to help you adapt. One of these tools is the Square online store. It lets you set up a free online ordering page with curbside pickup and local delivery so you can keep customers safe. You can deliver orders yourself or integrate with delivery partners. Its order hub lets you manage all your incoming orders in one place no matter which delivery partners you choose to use. Square has all the tools to help you stay connected to customers no matter where they are. See everything that's available by visiting square.com slash go slash curd. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO. 
Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conté is unique. Learn more about Conté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen U-S-A dot com. All right. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Kara Warren. Today on the show, I have Janae Muha, the mobile monger. And we are talking again about how the maker series that is on Janae's Facebook page and soon to be on YouTube, I've heard, um, it kind of checks in with cheesemakers and how they're living right now and how they're doing. Um, we were just kind of getting into supporting cheese shops and distributors and, and the different ways we can do that. Um, I think everyone is adapting right now. And, um, I guess what we should start thinking about is next strategy plans. Yeah. I mean, Janae, what's, what's the next step here for everybody that you're, you're hearing more about? Well, I think it's really hard to say because we're in a real like downtime at the moment where I feel like the next thing is about to happen. That's why I wanted to kind of get this in all in a week and just kind of get a snapshot because I feel like we're kind of Mm -hmm. looking over the ledge of the next change that's going to happen. Because if you talk to any, like if you watch the series, almost everybody pinpoints around March 16th as being that day that was like everything changed after that. So I feel like we might be on the mm-hmm. precipice of something like that again. Um, but also, states are starting to open back up. There's no telling what's going to happen in a couple weeks as things start to open back up. If people start getting sick again, then we have to go on extreme lockdown again. It's just really, yeah, I it's just really kind of <laughs> hard to say. Um, and it's hard on the cheesemakers because a lot of them are doing things that they... Uh, like talking to Cascadia Creamery, they have had to put some of their cheeses into cooler temperatures to put the cheese in stasis because they don't really have the room for a cut and wrap situation and mail order and packing situation. And their cheeses, you know, if you've ever gotten a full wheel and it's so beautifully wrapped with the little pine nub with it and it's just so beautiful that that's intentional they want that and so for cheesemongers to get that and to just feel something when they get that package Mm -hmm. um so changing it to be kind of a little bit more faceless and just something on the shelf that's a hard thing for these people who've been putting their passions and 
livelihood into for so long. Oh, totally. I mean, the idea that a uh, cut to order is not really the right move right now, one for public safety, but also like uh, monetary business means it's uh, it, it is probably better to have a pre-cut piece of cheese ready for someone to just grab. Um, just, I mean, even in the stores, I'm hearing of people uh, who are not even working cheese counters anymore because they're being pulled to other departments to help fill produce because the produce team is, it's quarantined right now. So it sounds like everyone is just trying to stay afloat and uh, do the best they can. Uh, it's, uh, they're really, uh, truly heroes right now in my mind, because I'm not working at a cheese counter and I, I can't imagine the stress. Uh, that must go day to day for these people, Yeah, you know? Well, and even um, I work part-time at De La Renti and I'm furloughed right now because not being open to the public, we are a full service counter. So we do everything. We cut meat, we cut cheese, and that is just not something that's feasible right now. And it's all about sampling and getting people excited about cheese. And so I don't know what that's going to look like coming out of this. And it's scary, because that's the fun of being oh, a cheesemonger yeah. is like giving somebody a taste and watching their face as they're just so delighted by this piece of cheese. Or even if they're not like into it, that's also kind of fun too to just be like, okay, that wasn't it. Let's try something else. So, you know. <laughs> right. How, how will you sample? How will you yeah. sample anymore? So it's really hard to say what's going to happen. I mean, maybe some people might invest more into different packaging possibilities. Um I don't know. It's so hard to say. Yeah. And I mean, even like in terms of styles of cheese now, um, do you think there'll be less soft cheeses made and like a lean towards harder cheeses then like the firmer age cheeses, but like then those take up caves and that's money sitting on the shelf. So I'm like, what do you think? I really hope not. And I feel like if we just kind of continue where it might not be like full hardcore lockdown, but it's definitely something that is encouraged that people just kind of stay home a little bit more. Um, I'm hoping that people will kind of get out of this panic buying. And I've already started to hear that that's starting to go a bit by the wayside. Um, so I'm Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I mean, wow. people okay. are still doing it. There's no way around it. But um, I think that people are starting mm -hmm. to really understand with a lot more of these cheese shops doing virtual tastings and that sort of thing that people can take this into a new realm of like, oh, I'm just going to get a little cheese plate for my Friday night date with, you know, my significant other or whatever, or a couple friends, small gatherings. Um, so hopefully we'll kind of start to see that happen and people really with CSA is becoming so popular and people getting really into sourdough starters. I'm hoping that people will see the value in what's happening locally in their food scene and they start to investigate that a little bit more. Totally. I mean, that trend that things are getting more local, I think it's great. I I would say I invite all our listeners to check out their state's cheesemaker list and like go one by one into the links and like find the the niche product that this person's making. Cause I mean, it's much better than what you're probably going to get in a big store supermarket. And every person um, I talked to in this series said the same thing to buy local. Like they could have said, you know, buy my cheese, whatever, but everybody really was adamant about if you don't choose it, you're going to lose it. So if you buy local, then you're securing that your food systems are 
going to be there because we've seen this trend of consolidation on a large scale. I mean, those of us in the dairy industry have been talking about it for years with huge companies mm-hmm. like Walmart and Dean Foods consolidating into larger big farms instead of the like scattered family farms that they were using. They're not able to pivot the way that these small family farms can. So our food systems are still going to be available if we continue to support smaller family farms. They're going to be able to assist us and get us this great food, even when those larger farms can't. It's it's, uh, something Ann Saxley wrote about in that Eater article. Did you get a chance to read that? I did. Have you looked? Yeah, and I I guess also I didn't realize um, how much of the percentage-wise for food service for smaller cheesemakers, I had no idea that it was like in the 50 to 80%. Yeah, it's a wild uh, number. It's a wild number. And then so when all of those restaurants are gone, what do you do? (laughs) Holy hell. I mean, I really, I guess I thought it was more retail heavy, but I think um, a chef's Buy more cheese. That's really what it, it breaks down to. So it's a faster sell. Yeah. But uh And they're using I, they're using it in more applications, yeah. um, you know, between cheese plates and in dishes. So I think that it's really important for us as consumers to look at those restaurants when things get back ish on normal, whatever the new normal is gonna look like. Right, <laughs> whatever, the new normal one um, day, yeah. That we really yeah. are supporting these restaurants and companies that are hyper local and getting all of their produce and their cheese and their meats from around their area because then they will be the ones that survive when something like this happens so um that's beautiful i also wanted to tell you i just found a funny uh quote on an article online that uh says that french people i'll read it to you the citizens of France have been told it's their patriotic duty to eat more cheese. So after the fall of sales due to COVID, the dairy industry has put out a collective call for French people to increase their consumption of brie, camembert, reblochon, and more. Uh, this is American Cheese Month. So I feel like everyone needs to step up their patriotic duty and eat more American cheese. 100%. It's uh, definitely way more patriotic to, you know, buy American <laughs> buy American cheese. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Uh, I mean, I, I think also, I mean, um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on the European cheese front. Uh, full disclosure, I work for a European cheese company. So I think they have, there's a certain dance that has to be done for logistics um, to fill the trucks and make them worthwhile to move around the country. And uh, I wonder how it's going to work. I mean, the softer cheeses are definitely selling less in smaller stores, but in these huge stores, they're selling very well. Um, and I wonder how it's all going to work. You know, the European artisanal cheeses, the American cheeses, you know what I'm saying? Like, how's it, it's just, it's such a tango right now. I think I, that it always is. Um, so, you know, I think it's just a balance of making sure that we're supporting everybody. I haven't had a chance to talk to as many international companies and that is, Something I've thought about kind of touching on with some people um, in another series similar to this. Um, 
Yeah, I was going to ask you what's your next what's your next uh, line? What's your next uh, oh, series? Geez. Do you have one in uh, in production, or are you taking a? No, I took a I took the weekend off, but I still have to go through and edit all of the videos so I can put them up on YouTube and get them up on my website so they're in a centralized location for all of them. Um, and I don't know, it was cool. a lot of work for one person to kind of take on. Um, you did. Two to three interviews. A yeah, day, one day you? there was four interviews, which is a lot. That's 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 like running an ACS, I think. And it's almost. it's <laughs> you know what it's I mean. It's also just personally very taxing because these are my friends and colleagues, and these are people I really care about, and businesses that I find so much passion in. So to hear them struggling and to have those really real conversations, it was emotionally taxing. You know, so it's what was the. What was the toughest part for you to hear? What was one of the things that really have stuck out in your mind? I mean, farmstead producers just don't really have any other choice. The milk just kind of keeps coming and they just don't, there's nowhere else for it to go. Um, And just hearing that wholesale being such a huge part of their business and companies that are friends with are having to lay off people. They're not making cheese. They don't know where this cheese is going to go. The whole thing is just... It's so devastating and all of us are feeling the effects of it, but it's so much harder when, you know, the, they make such beautiful product that I get to talk about every day when I'm at work and sell this and share this to people. So just hearing that how much they're struggling was really difficult. Yeah, I think you, I, you have to take a deep breath and just, uh, baby steps, right? And I think that's what everyone is kind of seems to be doing. And, um, some of them are, are thinking about funds and loans, um, uh, economic disaster relief fund, some PP loan talk. I mean, did that come up in all of your interviews as well? Was that something to kind of give some relief to these guys? Uh, some people did get the PPP loan. So like central coast creamery got it. So that's why they were able to bring back their employees and start making cheese. Um, and some people didn't, And honestly, some people are just doing it on their own dime and hoping that things work out in the end. I mean, that's essentially what Boxcar is doing with all of their stuff. Right. It's very scary. It is very scary. Yeah. But, you know, they also have a donation thing on their website. So if anybody wants to go and donate directly to their cause, I highly recommend it. It's just Boxcar Handmade Cheese. And that will help buy that milk and get those cheeses made for the North Carolina food banks. It's super important. That's very good information. Uh, will you organize a list of uh, cheesemakers and ways to help? Is that, I mean, you already have a lot on your docket. I feel like you need an assistant already. Um, maybe your husband is willing to help. Well, I don't he's, know. He's but, still uh, working mostly full time because he works for a distributor and he's kind of the, yeah, he's oh, wow. the okay. boss man of the warehouse. So he's still salaried employee that, you know. Salary means you work more in these times. So <laughs> so he's still very busy. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah, and I mean, in a warehouse, that's uh, that's another thing, too. All these guys are still working. All these truck drivers are still working. Um, I, I just read a quote uh, from, you know, Mary Quick uh, yeah, of Quick's absolutely. Cheddar in England. She just... She just wrote something on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll give you a quick line on it. It's uh, She wrote, Our champions, cheesemongers, restaurants, and bakeries are morphing into neighborhood food stores. Our cheese wholesalers are doing home delivery. They are taking prepacked cheese to stores that would normally cut to order. Chefs are serving meals to 
are serving meals to collect. I mean, this is just one. Thank you, Mary Quick, for putting that out there. Uh, Janae, this is basically like the core of what you've been dealing with with the American cheesemakers. Yeah, uh, the whole thing, the whole system, our food systems have been broken for a very long time. And it just took a mm-hmm. pandemic for us to really see how broken they were. But like, this is where, as as wild as it is, and how people are having to change so much, it also is so inspiring to watch these people and their tenacity to just get it done. This is survival mode, and they are just doing what they have to do to sell the things that those beautiful Jesus that they're making. So it's just so inspiring to see them just be able to change their entire business model on a dime. I agree. And, and within weeks we're talking, this isn't, uh, some, it was pure hours. I mean, I was talking to a cheese shop owner who said that they basically redid their entire model, um, in just a couple of hours and Columbia cheese is actually going to do, a. A little series. They've been doing their own series, which has actually sparked the inspiration for the American version of this. But they've been talking to their producers um, weekly. But this coming week, they are actually going to be talking to a bunch of different shop owners. So I'm really interested for that because I feel like that's a huge conversation of like how these people are changing their business models so quickly. Absolutely. Who's doing the uh, the interviewing? Is it Adam? Uh, Probably yes. Okay. No, I'll have to look out for that. That's cool. Uh, I, it's, it's amazing. I'm so glad that you were able to, to bring all of this to light. And again, on video, um, I I mean, like I, another thing to note is, isn't it interesting to see how e-commerce has been coming up for these smaller stores that never had to deal with that before? Like their entire, uh, store catalog is now (laughs) online with pictures. Yeah, You know, uh, I mean, I've always wished for that because I'm too busy sometimes to get to a store and, or I'm doing it for work and I, I don't want to go into a store and then have to talk to someone about my work. So this is a great way now to, to kind of get the goods I want and, uh, you know, be, uh, anonymous, but also like how great for these stores now that they can participate. Uh, maybe they love or hate it. I don't know. It's but, a hard, it's uh, a hard it's balance, people but are people ke- are figuring it out and it's, yeah. you know, throwing, there's a lot of cheesemakers out there that are not in the 21st century in any way, shape or form. <laughs> so, you know, it's hard to throw them into it, it but, but you know, it needs to happen. Yeah. We're here now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is the art of cheese. I mean, you know, it is very much like, you know, you're, you're milking cows or collecting milk and you're, you know, it is like a Zen-like thing that's very hard to do, and to to bring it through the pandemic times where we're all, I mean, either stuck inside and like, you know, you're not allowed to be outside. The whole energy of cheese making is nature, you know, um, and and consolidated form. So, uh, yeah, this is a uh, kind of ironic, or uh, I I don't even know how to go on about it. It's just it's so interesting how everything has had to change. And uh, I'm just, I just hope you keep highlighting it and uh, your series continues. I, I, I hope you keep doing more of it. Um, will you let us know Absolutely. when you do? Okay, good. That's what I want to make sure. Um, you know, uh, we all need to eat more cheese. It's and, your patriotic uh, duty. We all need people. It's your patriotic that? duty. 
It's your patriotic duty now, <laughs> just like in France with the patriotic duty. I, I thought that was amazing. Uh, yeah, we don't want the industry to fail. We don't have a government backing us. Yeah. That's the only difference as well. Um, well, there's that. So, yeah, 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 totally. Well, Janae, thank you for being on the show today. Um, any last words to our listeners uh, on the program that you'd like to mention? No, I think we, we got it down. Just uh, buy local, support your local CSAs, support your local cheesemakers. Yeah. Perfect. All right. I will say thank you, Janae, for being on the show. Everyone can follow Janae at The Mobile Monger. You can follow me at Kara Warren. You can follow Cutting the Curd at Cutting the Curd. And it's on the Heritage Radio Network. Uh, as I always say, eat more cheese and have a great day, everyone. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.